Section 43 of Chapters on Evolution by Andrew Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 15, The Evidence from Degeneration, Part 3. Some of the most curious cases of degeneration known to us illustrate the total disappearance of digestive apparatus even in some beings in which, as in the stylops already mentioned, one sex becomes retrogressive whilst the other sex remains structurally fully developed. Such a case is illustrated by the males of those remarkable organisms, the rotifera, or wheel animalcules. These minute creatures inhabiting our fresh waters may be desiccated and dried and revived on the application of moisture many times in succession, but in their ordinary existence and in the details of their structure, the wheel animalcules present details equally interesting with their exhibition of potential vitality. The female animalcules possess a complete digestive system, a set of water vessels, a nervous ganglion, and other belongings, but their partners are decidedly inferior creatures, since their digestive system becomes totally abortive, whilst in size the males are likewise far excelled by the lady rotifers. How this degeneration and disappearance of digestive apparatus and the inferiority of size have been produced in the male rotifers may be a matter regarding which difference of opinion will certainly exist in biological minds. The fact that retrogression is here illustrated, however, cannot be questioned. It may also be added that, in all probability, the extreme development of the function of perpetuating the species and the extraordinary fertility of production witnessed in these animalcules may satisfactorily account for the abrogation of digestion in favor of reproduction. Thus, to the other causes of degeneration in animal life and structure, we may append that which takes origin from the extreme or excessive development of one function over another physiological development in one direction overstepping the natural and ordinary limits runs concurrently with destruction of life's equilibrium and naturally tends to produce degeneration and simplification of other organs and of other duties of life how far the theory of degeneration we have thus briefly discussed may be applied in explanation of the peculiarities of animal structure remains as a task for the future of biology to satisfactorily determine. Possibly the corrections which the future of every hypothesis carries with it may be many and sweeping. The deductions and inferences we extract from a study of degeneration today may perchance be falsified by the higher and newer views of the tomorrow of biological science. But enough has been said to show that, even in a cursory review of the doctrine of degeneration and retrogression, many phases of living histories become theoretically plain, and it argues hopefully for the correctness and value of the doctrine before us that it has, so far as it has been logically pursued, fitted compactly and harmoniously enough with ascertained facts and with received views of the origin of animals and plants. That higher forms of life than the sea squirt and insect race are by no means exempt from the influence of retrogressive change is an observation worth noting at the close of our researches. We know, for instance, of lowly structures in shellfish life appearing in the midst of highly organized frames, a mussel, a cockle, or an oyster, whose early development, as we have seen, runs in parallel lines to that of the snail and whelk class, is nevertheless esteemed less highly organized than the latter. The mussel or oyster tribe possesses no head. The snails and their allies, as everyone knows, not merely exhibit a well-developed head, but have that extremity provided with eyes, tentacles or feelers, and other addenda of the front region of the animal body. 
hence it is more than probable that the mussel headless and enclosed in its shell and possessing relatively little interest in the affairs of the outer world is an example of a degenerate type of mollusks the mussels and their relations stand in fact at the opposite extreme of development in this respect from those well-known mollusks the cuttlefishes in these creatures the tendency to head development or what professor daner calls cephalization reaches its maximum as any one may readily enough suppose on looking at an octopus or squid with its great head its enormous eyes and its nerves massed together to form a brain enclosed in a kind of skull even as compared with the earlier cuttlefishes whose shells under the name of ammonites and the like we find fossilized in large numbers the squids and cuttles of today present in the extreme development of head a noteworthy advance thus whilst the one molluscan tribe of mussels and their neighbors has degenerated and gone to its own lowly place in the series other groups starting on an equal footing have advanced and through progressive evolution have produced those higher manifestations of molluscan life that teem in the seas of today even amongst the vertebrate animals we meet with examples of degenerative tendency which are not so easily explicable as the foregoing illustrations in most snakes only one lung is fully developed as a rule the companion organ being rudimentary and degenerate in birds the egg-producing organs are similarly developed on one side only how degeneration should be thus partial and affect one half of an animal's frame so to speak is very hard to discover external conditions of life and the influences of surroundings could apparently possess little effect in inducing such an unsymmetrical retrogression of parts most probably we shall find the solution of such conditions to exist within the operation of some deep-seated law of the living constitution and in the effects of that law in moulding or even contorting the animal frame it constitutes one of the chief glories of biological science as pursued amongst us today that its studies are a far-reaching order and lead as the results of their natural extension to the consideration of fields of thought often widely removed from the original topic which interests the reader the present subject of degenerative changes regarded as part and parcel of the living constitution can readily be shown to possess applications far removed from zoology and botany and extending into the most intimate spheres and phases of human history itself degenerative change in human tissues is medically symptomatic of very many of the ills to which flesh is heir tissues and organs degenerate in individual animals as animal frames retrogress in their entirety cells retrograde and fibers degenerate in our bodies just as the sea squirt's frame exhibits as a whole a universal physiological backsliding nor may many of our diseases alone be esteemed mere examples of degeneration affecting our tissues the termination and decline of life itself and the age that really melts in unperceived decay are in reality examples of natural degeneration also the decline of existence is largely a retrogression of structure there can be no such thing as a really green old age any more than we can speak of the sere and yellow of the autumnal leaf as imitating the verdant nature of the spring blossom nay stranger still is it to discern that the full flush of life's vigor is accompanied by degenerative changes as typical as those which mark life's decline for every tissue wastes as it works and cells degenerate die and are cast off from every surface and tissue of our frames as the natural result of living and being 
generally speaking says a writer in discussing the degeneration of human tissues quote, those parts which live most slowly are those of which the duration is the greatest and in which there is consequently the least frequent change of the exuviation of epidermic structures en masse a process altogether comparable to the fall of the leaf we have striking examples in the entire desquamation of serpents the molting of the plumage in birds and the shedding of the hair in mammalia and in the shedding of the antlers of the stag we have an example of the exuviation of a highly organized and vascular part which periodically dies and which being external is cast off entire what means all this says sir james paget but that these organs have their severally appointed tissues degenerate die are cast away and in due time are replaced by others which in their turn are to be developed to perfection to live their life in the mature state and to be cast off unquote. and again the same high authority remarks that quote, it is further probable that no part of the body is exempt from the second source of impairment that namely which consists in the natural death or deterioration of the parts independent of the death and decay of the whole body after a certain period of their life it may be proved partly by demonstration and partly by analogy that each integral or element part of the body is formed for a certain natural period of existence in the ordinary conditions of active life at the end of which period if not previously destroyed by outward force or exercise it degenerates and is absorbed or dies and is cast out needing in either case to be replaced for the maintenance of health unquote. to these weighty words we may lastly add the opinion of dr carpenter who remarks that quote, when the adult type has once been completely attained every subsequent change is one rather of degeneration than of development of retrogression rather than of advance unquote. degeneration is thus an invariable concomitant of life so far from being in any way an abnormal phase of living action it is seen to be as natural a process for living beings to retrogress wholly as we have seen in some cases or partly in others as it is for them to develop and advance and what is thus undoubtedly true of the individual man or other animal is no less so of the race buried civilizations are by no means unknown extinct culture is an archaeological fact the decline and fall of nations is a matter of history may not these things be likewise explained as a part of that wide theory of life which regards even the highest interests of man as lying within the operation and sway of causes which mould his physical organization if this notion be accepted then is the idea of degeneration as a normal phase of life rendered still more feasible and plain reaching to the individual and to the species as well extending and including in its scope the lowly organized as well as the higher being affecting one group or class lightly and influencing another well nigh to the complete exclusion of progress we find degeneration and retrogression to be numbered among the stern realities of existence and no less clearly and forcibly may we trace the truly natural place of degeneration in our own physical history since as physiology teaches and daily experience declares not an action is wrought or a thought conceived without the presence of change and decay of tissue a process this which limited in early life by progressive growth and by development at last comes in our latter days to assume the reins of government and in time to dissipate our energy and substance into the nothingness of physical and corporate extinction 
the philosophy of biology however may in conclusion be found to point out to us that the subject of degeneration whilst treating of a powerful factor in modifying the living form yet possesses a favorable aspect in relation to progress and evolution high authority in matters biological may be found for the statement that degeneration is really a result of progress that it is dependent on high development and that whilst it simplifies the living being quote, it produces the same effects as differentiation for it leads to variety in form unquote. thus there is a kind of evolution and progress inseparable even from degeneration itself for the retrogression may in itself lead to variety and change and in due time such variety may be the starting point of new and higher developments so likewise we are reminded that reduction and degeneration of some parts may proceed contemporaneously with the higher development of others with the total result of perfecting the organism and evolving a higher type of structure the degeneration of a frog's tail is in reality a feature of its higher type as compared with its tailed friends the newts and salamanders the disappearance and reduction of the tail which the young crab possesses is a chief reason why we esteem the crab whose body is all head and chest a higher animal than the lobster or prawn with head chest and tail complete the degeneration of the outside gills of the alpine salamanders young which never have access to water is not a mark of inferiority but of superiority it is in reality the casting off of the old or larval and aquatic characters and the putting on of the new and higher features of the land animal even the degeneration of human structures the modification of the tail which early human existence exhibits and of muscular structures well developed in lower life are no proofs of inferiority but are evidences of superiority in ourselves thus even in the great work of evolving higher races out of the lower to degeneration much is owing for its aid in repressing larval characters and the structures which belong to lower existences whilst progressive evolution develops the great tree of life extends each branch clothes it with verdure and expands each blossom it is degeneration which lops the worn and aged stems prunes the weakly foliage trims the budding growths and so directs and moulds the outlines of the organic whole it is to evolution and progress that the world of life largely owes its forward march but hardly less is the debt of gratitude due by the living host to degenerative change and retrogression which though stern and oft-times cruel in their ways nevertheless mark wisely and well the pathways of life and prevent the useless and weak from cumbering the ground end of section forty three chapter fifteen the evidence from degeneration part three